Next on BYU Sports Nation, BYU football loses a fifth straight game for the first time since 1970. Why is this happening? ESPN's Trevor Maddich on what needs to change now. And who's the best option at quarterback? Plus, BYU women's soccer breaks out for a season-high four goals. Head coach Jen Rockwood on what changed after their rough start. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. You know we are live. BYU Sports Nation, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. October 10th, happy Monday. As happy as you can make it, people. Wherever and however you're dialed in, it's great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with newly converted L.A. Dodger fan, Jerem Jordan. Oh, man. I was. Uh, there's a reason uh, my voice is struggling today. Went to uh, Dodgers-Diamondbacks game, too. It was really fun. By the way, went to USC-Oregon State. Our boy, Zach Nyborg, uh, was a connection there. That was awesome. Oregon State, unfortunately, in a similar predicament to Brigham. But, uh, yeah, fun weekend. Fun weekend. Do- Dude, Yasiel Puig, every time he goes up, Dodger fans go crazy. I was in right field, front row, had a great time. Fantastic. Listen, if your favorite team is 1-5 in five in the college football season, just drown your sorrows at the beach in Southern California and eat a little Roscoe's chicken and waffles, right? Yeah, never went to the beach, but did go to Roscoe's. Uh, Roscoe's. Roscoe Mendenhall's. <laughs> That's what I wish it was called. <laughs> Remember when Bronco Mendenhall was... He would, uh, do I remember the, when he was the head coach at BYU? Yes, do I do remember that. Here? Yes, do I remember that? They're, remember that, how he beat Boise State yes. with Virginia, but BYU didn't? And Virginia is now 4-1. and one. I, also, I also remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, bring on the headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU lost a fifth straight game on Friday night. Number five, courtesy of the Boise State Broncos, 24-7. Spuddy Buddy. We have conceded has earned the right. He gets to sit there for a while to stay with us on the main desk. I'm surprised he's surprised to survive Friday for at least a little while. Yeah. yeah well, maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> maybe the karma came back to bite us. <laughs> Seventeen plus. <laughs> Seventeen plus. Tanner Mangum threw for 164 yards and two interceptions. Ula Tolutau had nine carries for 38 yards, and head coach Kalani Satake made it clear post game that he will, nay, Jerem, he must have more Ula going forward. Uh, we need to develop an identity. I know it sounds crazy midseason, but we need to have something we can hang our hat on. And I think that's, uh, I think his name is Ula Tolutau. That's about as clear as a head ball coach can be. He's wanted this for a few games. He said, we found our guy after uh, the Utah game on five carries, 25 yards. He had seen enough to want it. Study, study buddies in my shot. That's my only issue with this. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're being punished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now BYU's on Mississippi State. This, this is a big game. Uh, and it's a game that, unless BYU changes something, will lose. To me, that's the third likely most uh, most likely loss in BYU schedule. Well, and things aren't lining up exactly well for the Cougars in uh, terms no, of in kickoff ev- time. In every way, shape, and form. Eastern time zone. Yeah, well, in fill in the blank. Because right now, things aren't going well. They just aren't. You know, a guy, a former Cougar, things are going really well for? 
Daniel Sorensen. Yes. The Chiefs are undefeated, only undefeated team in the NFL. Sorensen had six tackles on Sunday Night Football last night. Ziggy Ansah, two tackles and a sack for the Lions. Michael Davis had two tackles for the Chargers in the who's the worst team in the NFL game mm-hmm. against the Giants. Mm-hmm. It's the and Giants. the answer is the Giants. Yep. And Jam- the New York football Giants. And Jamal Williams had one carry for one yard for the Packers. Jamal Williams not getting a lot of run with the Packers. That was a big game against the Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers, clutch. Yeah, what else is new, right? Yeah, seriously. What else is new? The Packers are good because they have a fantastic quarterback. Mm-hmm. Eighth-ranked BYU women's volleyball swept Pacific in three sets thanks to Ronnie Jones-Perry. I sound like a broken record every time we do a volleyball headline. Top of hills. Led the team with 13 kills. She only needed 13 because it was a dominant, sweet performance. The Cougars host Portland Thursday night in Provo. You can watch that Live on BYU TV. And the BYU women's soccer team got its first conference win Saturday. Beat up St. Mary's, the Fighting Del Vadovas, 4-1. to one. Yes, how, season high goals. How about Maddie Lyons-Matthews? Two of those goals. One of those elite, as coined by Spencer Linton. I, don't, I, I think that was an elite goal, so nice, nicely done. Fin- Not used in vain. Finally, the proper use. And then head coach Jennifer uh, Rockwood, she will join us coming up to the program. Rise and shout, people. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Why is this happening? BYU football has lost five games in a row for the first time since 1970. Wow. And that wasn't our set of the day. Why? <laughs> BYU is 1-5 for the first time since 1970. Three. Why, Jerem? Neither of us were alive, by the way, since the last time. BYU statistically, in several categories, has the worst offense in the country. Why? I don't know, Nancy. We will begin to answer all of this today, or try to anyway, and that includes all of you answering today's Twitter question. What is your number one reason BYU is one in five? Use the hashtag BYUSM at 86WICOOG. One QB play, two or one A O line play, one B wide receiver play, one C running backs play, one D injuries, one E play calling. Don't think anyone gets this pro style offense. I think that Ty Detmer has adapted it quite a bit to the needs of the team. Because guess what? Ty Detmer quarterbacked in the NFL for 40, 14 years, 40. Feels like for it has been for, fascinating to he watch. Has, he has tried to install a game plan for Bo Hodge and then for an injured Tanner Mangum and so on. He he's adapted it. I listen. There's no one. What's your number one reason? I don't know. I I have no idea. I can't even answer this question. That's a fantastic tweet. Yes, and that is because well, there was only one, and then one A, one B, one C, one D, one E. Yeah. I there's not just one problem here. It's never just one problem. In fact, when someone brings up a question, they say, was it this or this? It's almost always a combo of that. Okay? Almost always. There's a combination of a lot of things not working. Obviously, quarterback play stinks right now. Obviously, the primary concern out of fall camp with no playmakers, like who are the, or we said, who are the playmakers? We felt like there were playmakers. Who's making plays? Well, Matt Bushman and Ula, there's not enough plays being banned by anybody. Yeah. The defense isn't forcing enough takeaways. Total yardage, they're doing a great job. Boise State had 300 yards. Okay. You it, should, Brett Rippett threw for 124. You should win that game. If BYU holds Boise State 
to 300 yards of total offense in Provo. You should win. On their home field. Just like BYU held Utah State in Logan to 288 total. Listen. The, Those are winning numbers. The offense is playing terribly. The defense still isn't creating enough turnovers. They created the one turnover. And guess what? BYU's only score was off that drive. BYU's offense needs more turnovers from its defense. The Cougars still have not had a positive turnover margin against an FBS opponent this season. They have also not enjoyed a second-half lead against an FBS opponent this season. It's a good thing that BYU scheduled Portland State late. Otherwise, the Cougars would be 0-5. How about that? That stinks. That stinks. It was a wholesale offensive change two years ago. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, let's face it, covered up a lot of the mistakes last year. And guess what? The covering up is not happening this year. And it starts with the quarterback. The quarterback is the most important position on the field for a number of reasons. I thought BYU would be in a better position to win with Tanner Mangum playing injured. It looked that way in the first quarter. Everything took a step back. seemed to derail when he threw his first interception when the game was tied 7-7. It just never got back on track after that. Bo Hodges' first half to me looked like the best quarterback play we've seen all season. Even more than the fourth Statistically quarter. speaking, who can argue High against test, that? stats, all that stuff, okay? So, yeah, you, you need to be better. And after that interception, Tanner Mangum was not very good, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In the final three quarters, Tanner Mangum was 12 of 26 for 122 and two interceptions. That's not good. Okay. Uh, BYU negative in the turnover margin. BYU not being able to move the ball, three and outs. Uh, these aren't good things, right? I'll give you an off game or two in a season. Okay. I won't give you six games or five or four games now, I guess, for Tanner Mangum. To me, the best quarterback so far that BYU's had is Bo Hodge. Again. And BYU burns Joe Critchlow's redshirt at the end. To me, that was like, hey, no one's safe. And guess what? When you're 1-5 and five and you lost own, uh, five in a row, the gloves are off. Kalani Saki said it. Yeah. He, he wants changes. Yes. Speaking of the stat of the day that we just brought up, Kalani noticed a change from early Tanner in the first quarter to late Tanner. Probably more so than anyone else. Here's what he said post-game. Yeah, I don't know what it was in the first quarter, but it seemed like he was connecting on all his throws, and uh, things are going really well, you know. And, um, and then uh, as the game went, went along, we were making bad reads, and uh, obviously the, the interceptions didn't, didn't help. Is Tanner Mangum capable? Absolutely. We have seen flashes. But it's been since 2015. Mostly since we've really seen him put together like a whole half. And that's why the quarterback is on blast. Listen to this from the head coach. I don't know if he was being uh, predictable with his eyes or what the issues were, but uh, I thought we had some good, uh, some open guys downfield, and he threw it to the wrong guy. And they, they picked it, and uh, the second one, I believe, was kind of the same thing, just bad reads. And so not really going to sugarcoat it. <laughs> just not good enough. I, I don't personally blame Tanner Mangum for all of the offenses well. No, there are I, 17 problems. I on blame offense. everyone and everything. Like when you're one in five, when you're 0 five, you can't be like, well, this is going really well. Guess what? There's like nothing going really well right now. Things need to change. Now you're playing Mississippi State. 
You're looking at one and six unless you play some crazy, incredible game. We'll ask ESPN's Trevor Maddich what he thinks of that matchup. It's more about the final six. It's not about this week. It's about the final six. What can you get done to try and make a bowl game? This season is to try and make a bowl game. If you don't make a bowl game, guess what? You're the first since 04. You don't want to be that team. You don't want to be that team. When the ship is going down, you don't go to the guy that's shoveling coal into the furnace and say, hey, it's your fault. Pick it up. Even though he might not be very good at his job. Right. You look at everybody. You go to the captain of the ship and go down from there, right? So the captain is Kalani Stuckey, right? Yes. And his first mate is Tanner Mangum. I would say his first mates are the coordinators. Either way. Tanner Mangum is a high-ranking official on that boat, and it is sinking right now. But they all signed up for this, and they understand that. They're not ducking. They're not trying to hide from all of this. I'm interested to see what changes. Like, what, what, what can you do in a week to change things? Can you do anything? I mean, like, like, like some fans are like, hey, fire somebody. Is that really going to be the change that you need and want? Or will that make it worse? Is BYU going to establish a run I, game? I, I think it makes it worse. To the tune of Ula Tolutau carrying it 20-plus times against an SEC defensive front. Why did Tolutau have nine carries in this game? Good question. Because BYU got behind and they don't like him in pass plays for some reason, offensively. BYU didn't like that. Ty Detmer is the man that answers that question, right? Regardless, it sounds like Kalani <laughs> is going to get what he wants. Even if yeah. Ula isn't performing in other aspects of the offense. I don't know. Right. And these, we don't have the answer to these questions. What is your number one reason BYU is 1-5 this season? But you might. Weigh in. At Dan underscore Smith for BYU. <laughs> Playing an injured quarterback. Just put Coy Detmer in. That's not the answer. Give him reps in practice. He only did poorly during Utah State because the coaches didn't prepare him. No, I think the coaches uh. have prepared him. <laughs> You would have to change the entire dynamic of the offense if you want to do that. Joe Critchlow is put in at the end, by the way. Not quite ever. Two things that BYU had last year that aren't happening anymore, plus Trevor Maddich of ESPN joins us next. Why are the Cougars 1-5? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Monday, or as close as you can get to it. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. You know what to do. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN when you want to converse with us. Gloves are off, man, on Twitter. They really are. And uh, Super Tuesday will be fun as well. Uh, Three hours of original Cougar football programming starting at 6 Eastern with BYU Sports Nation. Of course, after further review, there's a lot of reviewing to do. And then the BYU Football with Kalani Satake show Coming up at 8 Eastern time tomorrow. It's Super Tuesday tomorrow starting at 6. Our Twitter question today. What is your number one reason BYU football is 1-5 and this season? With that in mind, we welcome Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, ESPN College Football Insider and Expert, BYU National Champion. Trevor, welcome back for Maddich Monday. Let's start with our Twitter question. What's your number one reason BYU is 1-5? and the number one reason right now is the schedule. But 1A is that the offense is horrible. I mean, Michigan's offense, their mantra is at least we're not BYU's offense. Oh. And they take some solace in that. <laughs> so the, the, the combination of an unrelenting 
opening schedule that will punish any weakness and an offense that's beyond weak. I mean, it would be a great improvement to become weak are the reasons that they've opened one and five. Where do you start in assessing where you need to be better with the offense? Because obviously there's a lot of work to do there. Yeah, there, there's a lot of work to do. You can look at the receivers, and I think they need uh, they need to improve. They need to be tougher. I think they need to be more precise and predictable on their routes. They need to go after footballs with more of a proprietary hostility. That's my ball or no one's ball. They need to improve that. And their coach is like that. I mean, he played in Canada like that. And so uh, Ben Cahoon, and so he, he's that kind of coach. The receivers need to pick up on that. But that's secondary. The primary thing is that the quarterback position has been, well, a quarterback's job is to execute the offense. So far, with the exception of Bo Hodge to a degree against Utah State before he was hurt, there has been no execution of the offense. If you were to, to, to put on trial BYU quarterbacks and find evidence in that trial that they have executed the offense as it's drawn up, you would not be able to convict them beyond a reasonable doubt. ESPN's Trevor Maddich with us on BYU Sports Nation. What is the best option at quarterback right now for BYU? Well, I think Bo Hodges, and uh, not just because he did pretty well against Utah State to start with. I think he's got the best combination of attributes that they need right now. If the receivers aren't going to be fully predictable, you need a quarterback that can extend plays, and Bo Hodge is the best at that. His arm certainly is as good as any of the other guys, or certainly what they've been able to prove. And if you look at the numbers, just, just the pure numbers, we talk a lot about quarterback rating around here. Not passer rating, but overall quarterback rating, which rates your passing, your running, what you do and when you do it. So if you take a sack on third down, that's worse than taking a sack on first down, things like that. And so in the Utah State game, now 100 is perfect. 50 is average in this quarterback rating. Bo Hodge at Utah State was 66. So he had a winning performance against Utah State before he went out. Against Boise State, which, by the way, has a better a better defense than Utah State overall, so give credit for that. But Tanner Mangum was 15. Joe Critchlow came in, and he was two quarterback rating. You know, so if you just look at the big picture numbers, Bo Hodge is the guy. But I think when you look at just execution of the offense, I doubt that they'll get what they need, which is a quarterback that will read the defense, understand the concepts of the play call, and then by the time he gets to the back of his drop, know where to throw the ball, not based on who looks like he's open, but based on what you know the defense is doing and what you understand the concepts to attack that are and throw the ball to that spot. They still don't have anybody, including Hodge, that's doing that at a high level. And until they get anybody doing that at any level at all, really, this offense will continue to look like it's been looking. Once they get that quarterback that can execute, not just at a high level, but at an average level, what Ty Detmer is trying to get onto the field, then this offense will sing. It will sing. But right now, that one position quarterback still features guys that drop back, look around until they see a guy that looks like he's open, and then throw it in his direction. And that just won't work. At the end of the Boise State game, fourth string, return missionary of four months freshman Joe Crichlow comes into the game. BYU burns his red shirt. He plays. To me, that showed a sign that BYU is going to uh, maybe invest some time into him this year. We'll see what the health of Bo Hodge is like, how Tanner Mangum plays and whatnot. 
was there a bigger message to bring him in there and burning his red shirt than we than we think, or does it not matter? I hope there was not a bigger message. I hope they did not burn Critchlow's red shirt to send the message to anybody. I don't think anybody needs the message sent. I think they're they're struggling not because they don't know what they're supposed to do. I think they're struggling not because they're they're failing to put forth the effort. They're they're putting forth the effort. They're just not getting it accomplished. They're failing to execute. So I want to make sure that distinction is made. They care. They're working as hard as they can. They're just not getting it done. So I don't think a message needs to be sent. If they, since they burned Critchlow's redshirt, though, I think going forward what they need to do is not just invest in him, but invest in him heavily. I think that whoever's healthy needs to play, whether it's Tanner Mangum or Coy Tepmer, until Bo Hodge gets back, needs to start. And then don't start Critchlow. That would be a mistake, I think. He would just not know what he's doing, and he'd be very frustrated and start his career with failure. And I don't think that's a good idea. But it would be good to keep him on the sidelines for a few series and put him in late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter. Give him a series or two. Pull him out. Let him watch on the sideline a little bit. Then go back in and get another series or two, uh, and then pull him out. And then as he shows he's able to handle the load that he's given, then get him more and more playing time. But now that his red shirt is burned, the worst thing they can do is go back to, to Mangum and Hodge rotating in while Krishlow watches from the sideline having played two minutes. Now, a lot of this will have to do with the health of, of Mangum and Hodge. But... I think now they must invest in Critchlow. They must, or they will have wasted a redshirt year, which is completely not necessary. Yeah, that's why I wonder why they brought him in. And now the schedule turns to Mississippi State. To me, this is the third most likely loss in BYU's schedule. The way BYU's playing, they have no shot. Unless BYU makes some crazy changes, gets a bunch of takeaways, uh, whatever. Then the schedule really eases up. So what's, what's interesting is, I don't think it matters what BYU changes this week, Trevor, against Mississippi State. What matters is what they do in the next six after that when they're trying to make a bowl game. You're right. I mean, uh, ESPN's FBI Football Power Index gives BYU a 5% chance of winning at Mississippi State. So there's a chance. There's a chance. And if they win that, it'll be one of the greatest upsets of, of anybody's memory. But and I think Mississippi State will will drop football as a NCAA sport if they lose to BYU <laughs> the way things have been going this year for BYU. But then East Carolina the next week, BYU, according to the FBI, has a 71% chance of winning, and that, that'll be the rest of the season pretty much in that, in that range. So you're right. I mean, what to change? And the answer is don't change anything, first of all, because you can't change something in a week of practice in the regular season. You just can't in terms of actual structural changes to the offense. All you need to do is just kind of figure out what players do pretty well and do more of it. One of those things is Ula Tolutau, who who is pounding the ball pretty well. And then right now, you've got a couple of guys that, that I would expect to get more catches um, that are not getting those catches. You know, I think some of the some of the running backs that should be able to catch the ball more aren't. Trey Dye has eight receptions. I would expect him to have a lot more than that. And then the only two running backs that have a catch are K.J. Hall and Squally Canada, who have one each. Uh, Braden Elbakri has one as well. And so they, I think that they will – 
try, not a change, but emphasis to throw the ball to running backs a little bit more against Mississippi State because that's one thing that just hasn't been happening much. But whether that's because the running backs have been failing to get it done as receivers or they just haven't gotten around to those play calls remains to be seen. But when you talk about big changes to the offense, there's really no big changes that can be made, just points of emphasis. It's not like fingers are being pointed at each other within the coaching staff and uh, within the team, at least not publicly, but perhaps it's time for everyone to be put on blast. And with that in mind, Trevor, what, what would you do if you were Kalani Satake, who prefers to just let his coaches do their thing and kind of oversee? What would you do if you were Coach Satake right now? I think he's already done it. I think you talk about put on blast. He's kind of done that to quarterback Tanner Mangum, hasn't he, this week, in talking about executions not happening. In other words, not, not looking at the right people, not getting the ball to the right spot. And even if you, you don't succeed in completing the pass, you still need to be able to walk to the sideline and tell the coach, here's what I saw, here's why I threw it, where I threw it, and when I threw it. Then if the throw wasn't good enough, if the coverage beat your receiver, if the receiver was in the wrong spot, those are all different things. But we haven't seen that enough. And Kalani Sataki basically kind of put Tanner on blast in doing that kind of thing. And that's important because when a coach who is known not to be a player's coach, but a coach who is known not to criticize players in public all of a sudden does, it is a shock to the system. I remember on the practice field one day on the way to the national championship, we were having a, a, a practice that was not very focused. Guys were messing around, and it wasn't focused. So the assistant coaches were yelling at us, and it was going in one year and out the other. And all of a sudden, you heard the voice of Lavelle Edwards, calm and quiet. All he said was, come on, men, let's go. And it was like a lightning bolt hit every player on that field. It was stunned silence. We were shocked and we were embarrassed. And then we had one of the best practices we've ever had from that point forward. And Kalani Sataki is that kind of a guy where behind the scenes he pushes the buttons he needs to push. In public, he doesn't really. And when he does... I think it's kind of a shock to the system of the players, and I think it's a refocusing opportunity for the players. So I think that, that he's done what he needs to do from a standpoint of that. Now it's up to the players to execute. Trevor, we appreciate the real talk on a Monday. Never disappointing on Maddich Monday. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Wow. A real talk on a Monday, right? What can be said, what can be done to change things quickly? And remember, BYU's building here. There was an assumption that you could just pick up where you left off and kind of keep going. BYU hasn't really had a down year in a long time. By down, I mean not making a bowl game. And that stinks. A lot of programs have that. BYU hasn't had that recently. BYU went three consecutive seasons. Went three consecutive seasons. Under Gary Croton without making a bowl game. And I was blessed to be on my mission for two of those. <laughs> Missed them. What is your number one reason BYU is one in five? Let's go to the Twitter machine. Tweet, tweet. At It's a Faux Hammer. Poor evaluation and development of offense. Offensive players and not enough adjustment. For example, no gadget plays. No misdirection. Ula only gets nine carries. Yeah, there was a gadget play against Utah State. Touchdown. No yeah, there, there is misdirection as well. I mean, it's not enough, maybe, for that. It's a full hammer's liking. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, coming up, 
Jennifer Rockwood and the women's soccer team, they've won three of four. Can they, she can, uh, you know, sympathize with the football team. They played a tough schedule and then started scoring some goals. Yes. They got up to an an historically bad start. Yes. But they have turned it around. Sounds familiar. Hmm. What is BYU football missing this year that could make the difference in BYU getting to a bowl game? This is BYU Sports Nation. I'm interested in knowing what you have to say. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by Tecano's Brazilian Grill. Escape the ordinary. Welcome back, my friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. Here for you on a Monday. We are on demand anytime, anywhere as well. Do you want some fresh answers to rhetorical questions, potentially? Those are coming up at 110. <laughs> on the Facebook page for BYU Football, Facebook Live. Check it out. 110 Eastern Time, the BYU Football Weekly Press Conference. And uh, BYU heading out Friday, so two days of media availability today and tomorrow. If you are not aware of what has been happening within the BYU Athletic Department, it's time that we get you caught up to date on our headlines, starting with BYU Football. Losing a fifth straight game overall on Friday night. Number five, courtesy of the Boise State Broncos, by a final score of 24-7. to Tanner Mangum threw for 164 yards, two interceptions. Ula Tolutau had nine carries for 38 yards, and head coach Kalani Satake made it clear post-game that BYU must have more Ula going forward. Uh, we need to develop an identity. I know it sounds crazy midseason, but we need to have something we can hang our hat on. And I think that's, uh, I think his name is Ula Tolutau. How many carries does that mean for the BYU freshman running back? 20? 18? Certainly more than nine, right? At least BYU's not going up uh, against an SEC team this Saturday. Oh, oh wait. wait. Mississippi State. Countdown to kickoff, by the way, live at 11 a.m. Eastern time. You'll be there in Stark Vegas. That I will. Stark Vegas. Uh, I got a fever. It is You're Vegas week. You're going to be so week. sick of cowbell. Yeah. Can we remove Spuddy now, or do we do it later? Um, or have we conceded that he gets the whole show? <sighs> we'll figure it out during the next okay. break. Cougars in the NFL. Daniel Sorensen. That means we don't have an answer. Daniel Sorensen had six tackles for the undefeated Chiefs. Ziggy Ansah, two tackles for the Lions. Michael Davis, two tackles for the Chargers. Oh, yeah. And Jamal Williams. We thought he might be out this week, but he did play. He had one carry for one yard. Michael Davis is playing playing for the San Diego Chargers. He's the Ben Patch of BYU football. Like, played sparingly last year, but is actually at the next level doing really well. Pretty cool. Good for Michael. The eighth-ranked BYU women's volleyball team enjoyed a sweep of Pacific in three sets, largely in part to Ronnie Jones-Perry and her 13-kill performance. The Cougars host Portland Thursday night in Provo on BYU TV. They are 17-1. and That's good where I come from. And women's soccer got its first win, uh, conference win, excuse me, Saturday by beating St. Mary's 4-1. Maddie Lyons-Matthews supplied two of those goals. Head coach Jennifer Rock will join us coming up in the next segment. Man, gorgeous goals from Maddie Lyons-Matthews. And as I said on the broadcast, Jerem, elite. What is not elite Fine. right now is this current state of BYU football. And, and look, we're not, this is not us saying that these people are bad or they're not. Well, I think the offense is bad. Yes, the offense is bad, but that's it's not a personal attack on anyone. It's just the state of BYU football. It's going to be a personal on-the-field attack. 
Like, if I stink on this show, you can say I stink on this show. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I dislike you or think you're a bad person. Yeah. Well, I don't know how good a person these people are, so I'm not going to judge them positively or negatively. The point is, BYU is trying to fill a gap that maybe we undervalued. Yes, we all undervalued this, including us, okay? When has BYU had both a quarterback and a running back make 53-man rosters the next season? Not even Brandon NFL. Doman and Luke Staley did that. They both were drafted, but both of them did not make 53 NFL rosters. Doman was there for in the season, but Staley wasn't. Um, it's rare. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, that combination, one of the best in BYU history. Well, here's the and thing. And they covered a lot of sins Ty Detmer, last year. Ty Detmer was the first person to point that out while it was happening last year. Taysom and Jamal cover yeah. up a lot of our mistakes. They made a lot of plays. Those are NFL Athletes, okay? Tremendous players, okay? BYU's offense took a while to get going last year in the pro style. Does it, is it perfectly suited to those guys? No. BYU's building for something for the future. Remember what BYU did in the 80s? They did something that other people weren't doing very well, which is spreading the, fe- the ball around, spreading, opening up the field, and getting these great quarterbacks to come in and sling it. It was a blue ocean strategy. Let's talk business analytics here. Red ocean. Everyone's doing the same thing, bloodying the waters, okay? Blue ocean is do something differently in a different part of the ocean, okay? What is that for BYU now? It's we want to be more like Stanford. Load up, big physical offensive linemen, dominate the line of scrimmage, run the rock, play great defense. You know who's done this for a while and done it really successfully? Not just Stanford. That team up north. Utah. They do it really well. Have they, done, have they done, gone to the next level of like 10 plus? No, but they're a nine-win team every year. They're in the top 25. Stanford's always competitive, good, does those things. is developing and building towards that. It was okay? a wholesale change. Yes, and that takes time. And we're seeing that BYU doesn't have those guys per se yet. But Kalani Satake is bringing in those guys. But the issue is, if you go extremely bad, Guess what? BYU lost two verbal commits over the weekend to Utah. I hope not, but probably because BYU's 1-5, and and the offense is really struggling. So there's this balance here of build for the future, also win now, but don't cost yourself, hopefully, recruits. Yet there are really good recruits that haven't decommitted from BYU uh, that want to come here, that will come here. So there's some that are fence-sitters, right? There are others who are all in, despite some – Maybe temporary struggles. By temporary, I mean this season. Yeah. Well, look, Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams are not coming back. But there are two things that BYU can do right now in each game that will get them to a bowl game, Jerem. And that's the season right now. Get to a bowl game. Number one is have a positive turnover margin. Yes. And number two is win the time of possession. Those are two things they haven't done. If BYU does those two things, very controllable. Very realistic. It's not asking like some crazy amount of, you know, do something special. Just win the time of possession and win the turnover battle. So you, you got to stop turning it over on offense. You got to create more takeaways. And then you got to move the chains. And that means run the ball. You got to be able to run the ball to win time of possession. If BYU does that, they will go to a bowl game. Time of possession, win the turnover battle. It sounds simple, but they have not done it one time this year. Turnover against an margin. FBS opponent. Yes. The last five. You lose because you don't do either of those two things. Also, to consider, something that I know all of us can get behind right now. This is the white flag. 
countdown to the Delta Devils. 33 days. 33. Okay. Listen, some of you have called for it, and there it is. Yes, basketball, basketball and the regular season are just 33 days away. Tip off before that in two exhibitions, but we, we look at the regular season, okay? 33 days. The Delta Devils of Mississippi Valley State. Jerry, <laughs> the week of Mississippi State. <laughs> Jerry Rice, baby. Hey, coming up, Eric Mika gets buckets in Italy. Not surprising. Also, BYU women's soccer head coach Jen Rockwood in Studio B. How did she help change things around after a rough start for her team this year? And now soccer was similar to football. Yes. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. My name is Spencer Linton. I am sitting along my good friend, alongside I should say my good friend, Jerem Jordan. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Watch our daily rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. And today, Ty Detmer and Ed Lamb will be on Coordinator's Corner with Gregor Bell, live from JCW's in Provo. If you're local, you want to hang out, go there, get a burger, do it. 2 Eastern time, BYU Radio and the app, an underrated program on our airwaves. Yes, I am absolutely fascinated. As, as this continues, these struggles. Like, I hope it doesn't. I, I want to watch this more and more each week because it just. Is that a good thing? No. I don't want to watch this no. each week. No, it's not. But, but the show is excellent regardless yes. of what's going on. And there's lots of lots of programs and lots of coverage. Uh, check out Coordinator's Corner with our homie Greg Rubel. Listen, Jerem is willing to do anything to get this thing turned around, including no, I'm not. wearing his lucky St. Patrick's Day shirt on a Monday. I'm not willing to do anything. Okay? <laughs> there isn't. I'm not shaving there's a, my head. There's a distinct line? Yes. Okay, fine. Come on. What's your number one reason BYU football is one in five? Send in your tweets using the hashtag BYUSN. Joining us now, a head coach that dealt with a little bit of a rough start and has since helped her team turn things around, including a season-high four-goal performance against St. Mary's on Friday night. I love, personally, to destroy St. Mary's, Coach. Okay? (laughs) My St. Mary's face has been well-documented on this program. Four goals against the Gales. It feels like your team has turned the corner. Hey, we've been really trying hard to turn the corner for a while now, and uh, the girls have been just so resilient. It hasn't uh, been an easy season by any means, and, you know, we started off with a really challenging schedule and coming up with a new front line and a new midfield, And uh, but we still had high expectations, and, you know, you get, you get knocked in the gut a few times, and the girls just come back every day to practice ready to get better. You've won three of four. You've won four of the last six. Uh, what changed besides maybe the schedule a little bit? Because you – you always play a very challenging schedule, and the first part of the schedule was especially challenging. Yeah, it was. You know, we've, um, I think a lot of it is just spending a lot of time on our attack. You know, we graduated, obviously, some very talented players and um, some kids who didn't have a lot of experience, you know, kind of being the go-to person and trying to create that and trying to feel a little bit more comfortable in the goal. And, and uh, we've, we've had some different players play in our midfield as well. So um, I think just spending a lot of time in front of the goal, building the girls' confidence, encouraging them to shoot, encouraging them to combine. And um, I think, you know, you could tell definitely in our game, you can tell every day at training that we've made a lot of progress in the last three weeks. This team was obviously searching for an identity, and that the conversation we're having right now uh, is evidence of that. But it, it seems like you have established that. So how would you describe the identity of this team right now? 
Um, you know, I think they're just fighters. And just uh, we talk about the warrior mentality and uh, just going up. And even when things are against you, just got to go out there and be your very best. And I think things are coming together. I think through the hard times, these girls have really drawn close together. They're a very close team. Uh, we have tremendous leadership uh, on this team as well as some very experienced players. We've got nine seniors. Um, a lot of those have really stepped up. You know, Taylor, uh, Steph, and Hannah, particularly on our offense now, Maddie Matthews, as you see her scoring goals, um, Nadia as well as Avery, who is, you know, playing a whole new position this year and doing a really great job for us. Maddie, uh, what does she mean to this team right now? Because she has four goals to assist in the last six games, in which you guys have gone four and two. Yeah, you know, Maddie, as, as we've mentioned, every day in practice, she's getting more and more comfortable in front of the goal. You know, I, we challenged her a few weeks ago just to be a more physical player. She's such a tremendous athlete. She has great strength, size, and, and speed. She's a lot faster than people realize. And um, just really challenged her to be more of a presence on the field, to to really mix it up, get her shot off. She's got a great shot. And, um, you know, really proud of the way she put that 1v1. Those are not easy. They look easy, um, but unless you're out there, those are not easy goals to put away. And that was a big goal for us in, in building our confidence against a great team who's, who's had some good success already in conference play. What role has Mitch Matthews played in the turnaround of BYU soccer? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he rode the bus up to uh, with us to the airport where yeah. he was going somewhere. So he needed see- a free ride. You yeah, guys nice. yeah, he's a little missing in action, but I'm sure he's encouraging Maddie uh, through the <laughs> phone. But uh, she's doing great. So this way she's focused because he's not around. He's kind of off doing his thing, and she's doing hers. And and hopefully they they both do great that, great things. That athlete life is hard sometimes <laughs> when the two are athletes. They just never see each other. Yeah. The head coach of BYU women's soccer, Jen Rockwood, with us uh, in Studio B on BYU Sports Nation. The West Coast Conference is kind of wide open this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of unexpected things are happening, a lot of parity. Mm -hmm. Why do you like BYU's chances to repeat, uh, given everything that has happened this season for you and for what's going on with the rest of the conference? Um, Because I really like where we are right now. Um, I've always felt, even a few weeks ago, I felt like we still had a great chance of winning the WCC again. You know, it's something that is always a goal of ours as we start the season. Uh, We got five of them in a row right now going for number six. And so um, these girls want it really bad. And and it's always competitive every game. I think uh, I think teams have won it the last six, seven years with just one loss. I mean, it comes down to a couple points, you know, three points for a win, one for a tie, and it comes down to one or two points. And we've got Pepperdine, who's had a great season so far. You know, St. Mary, I mean, uh, San Diego did have a great non-conference season, but they're 3-0 and in conference right now. So, you know, who knows what can happen. But uh, I love the way we're playing right now. I think the girls are hungry, and we should be playing with a lot of confidence. Traditionally, in most of the sports, in men's basketball, women's basketball, kind of broke out of this a few years ago, but uh, you're playing Thursday in Provo, and then you're playing Saturday in San Francisco. Do you like the split home road week? Um, I don't know that it's ideal, but it's something our conference has gone to, um, just trying to give us an extra week. You know, soccer's tough when you play two games a weekend. Um, and trying to get some single games, the conference has done that. And so, you know, St. Mary's had to do it this last weekend. They were... Um, playing on the road Thursday and then had to fly here. So, you know, um, I like I like that we're playing home first. You know, San Francisco's always a tough place to play, um, but we've played well there and, and we're playing better and better at home. So I really like our chances this weekend. For BYU moving forward, what do you say or what do you think is the biggest thing you need to shore up if it, it is that this team is going to go on and win a West Coast Conference championship? Um, I just think we need to keep playing the way that uh, BYU soccer has always played, a very aggressive, high-pressure, and uh, attacking um, 
style. And um, like I said, we've been working on our attack straight really for three weeks a month in front of the goal, and we'll continue to do that. And sometimes the best defense is a, a great offense, having the ball all the time, making your opponents extremely uncomfortable, trying to score early. Uh, we know that if we can score two goals in every game, we've got a great chance of winning. You made a change at uh, keeper going with Sabrina Macias against St. Mary's in, in her first start. Uh, is that something that's going to stick moving forward? You know, that's something that we'll just take kind of a game at a time. Um, to be honest, Hannah's done a great job for us this year. She really has. We have an amazing goalkeeper crew. We've got five keepers that are training like crazy each and every day. And we've seen so much improvement from all of them. Sabrina's been training fantastic so far this year. And, um, you know, after St. Mary's, we put her in, in the second half and just felt that she deserved a chance to kind of go out there and compete. And thought she did a great job uh, on Saturday night against St. Mary's. And so it'll be a battle. We haven't made any decisions and, and nothing's final. But, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that this week and see where it goes we always have fun with nadia's last name how do you say it <laughs> let's go nadia <laughs> nadia shoot the ball find it nadia win the ball uh it's gomes uh, and I, I you know i don't have any spanish or portuguese experience and yeah. other people who do can can say it uh, yeah. better than i but i just call her nadia yeah see That's greg, greg rebel greg rebel spent time greg, in brazil yes yeah, so he, he knows brazil, so did he I. knows so yes. gomes but yes. i like saying gomes there you go just like throwing a few <laughs> extra yeah. little whatever's in there that's what you gotta do in soccer one for extra every goal and assist and i say nadia win the ball Yes. Nadia, 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 go get the ball. I'll stick with Nadia, Gums. shoot the ball. I did not live in uh, Portugal or Brazil, so I will say Gums. <laughs> so you have no credibility. <laughs> we just want to say her name a lot. Yes. She is a That's fantastic a player, point. so talented, and uh, okay. love to watch her play. I want to throw in a plug for uh, Greg's Behind the Mic podcast. If you missed it with Jen, when were you on? A few weeks ago, right? Three, yeah, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was fun. It was uh, unexpected. I didn't know he was going to be talking about me. I thought he was going to be talking about the team and the program. But, you know, Greg's such a great guy, and he, he knows so much stuff. And he just throws stats at us all the time. So yes. it's, it's pretty yeah. fun. But, yeah, yeah that was, that was a, a cool experience, and I appreciate the opportunity we have to work with him and him to travel with us and call our game and give us our, our program a lot of exposure. A proud BYU Cougar, but also a proud Rick's Viking. Yes. Don't forget it. Yes. Yes, so one year I'm, basketball. I'm, yeah. Yes, and I'm the child of two Rick's Vikings, so there you go. Oh, very good. Yeah. I didn't know that. How did I not know that? Neither of which graduated from college. Wow. And the Oregon Look connection. You're, act, the Oregon, you're, wearing, you're wearing the duck color right now. I went to a Beavers game over the weekend. Okay. Yeah. All right. So trying to balance it out. Okay. Okay. Rough weekend for both Oregon teams. <laughs> yes, Good grief. Jen, thanks for the time. Let's give you some karma for uh, okay, the approaching uh, West Coast yeah. Conference Civic. matches. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Jen Rock with the head coach of BYU Women's Soccer. Uh, also a car buff. In fact, I want to start a podcast talking cars with you at some point uh, in my BYU career. So. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> oh, call it in front of the camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm ready for a new one. So. Oh. Yeah, okay. let's talk. Wow, we really let's do talk. need to talk. Oh, yeah. What is your number one reason BYU football is 1 in 5 this season? More of your tweets on the way. Coming up, Daniel Sorensen and the undefeated Chiefs do work again. What did he do last night? And a Cougar sets a record and top 10 volleyball keeps on rolling. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Big thanks to today's guest, ESPN's Trevor Maddich. What in the world does BYU need to do to turn this 1-5 in five thing around? And the head coach of BYU Women's Soccer, Jennifer Rockwood, her team put up a season-high four goals and went over St. Mary's on Saturday night. Coming up this week, Blaine Fowler, new between the lines. It's Lauren McLean, Greg Rebell, Brian Bellick, and Dennis Pitta. Let's whip it. Okay. Whoops!
It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. You always lost five in a row now after a 24-7 loss to Boise State Friday night. Tanner Mangum, 164 passing yards and two picks. BYU versus Mississippi State this Saturday. Countdown to kickoff live at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Cougars in the NFL. Daniel Forearm Shivers Sorensen finished with six tackles for the Kansas City oh. Chiefs. The only undefeated team in the NFL, 5-0. Ziggy Ansah had two tackles and a sack for the Lions. Michael Davis, two tackles for the L.A. Chargers, and Jamal Williams had one carry for the Packers in a win over the Cowboys. Volleyball. Eighth-ranked ladies swept Pacific in three thanks to Ronnie Jones-Perry of Copper Hills, who led the team with 13 kills. Cougars host Portland Thursday night in Provo on BYU TV. Soccer. The BYU women got their first conference win Saturday, beating St. Mary's 4-1. Maddie Lyons-Matthews had two of those goals. Again, Jen Rock would join us. Download the podcast to hear that conversation. And Ashley Hatch in the North Carolina Courage advanced to the NWSL Championship with a 1-0 win over Chicago. Hatch was named the Offensive Player of the Year for the Courage. She's up for Rookie of the Year as well. Cougars overseas. Brandon Davis had 15 points and a win for his Lithuanian league team, Zalgiris. And Eric Mika had 16 points in a Pesaro win in Italy. Miss you. Kalani Pesaro had four points in 20 minutes for the Melbourne Boomers. And... Jen Hampson, 20 points, 8 boards. In the same league as uh, Purcell, by the way. Flames win 93-80 over the Perth Lynx. Golf. Number 21, BYU men's golf. They're a top 25 team. In Alabama today and tomorrow to compete in the Jerry Pate National Intercollegiate. They took a picture with Jack Nicklaus last night. Oh, cool. Track and field. Aaron Fletcher, All-American steeplechaser, broke the St. George Marathon course record Saturday. 2-14-44. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well done, Aaron. BYU hockey. Beat up on Utah Valley. 13-0. The Cougars are now 2-0. How about BYU hockey? Cougars in the PGA. Zach Blair finished tied for 30th at 500. At the Safeway Open, Daniel Summerhays did not make the cut. Back to you. Today's Rise and Chat brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Heffern. You need it most. DexterLaw.com. Jeremy, who gets it? I don't know. Men's golf, they're ranked 21st. Man, yeah, they're, they they're trying. They're, two, they're trying to go three for three and win all three tournaments to open the season. That'd be nice. Nicely done. WCC champs, right? Yes. Our elite tweet of the day from Matt Greg Rosenhan. Why is BYU 1 and 5? I blame climate change. That's the only logical reason. Either that or it's fake news and BYU is actually 5 and 1. Whatever. <laughs> Conversation continues 24-7. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Shows on demand BYUSN.com. Sad. You're fired. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Franco Imprada. BYU Sports Station, back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern.